0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Saint Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat behind, beside the sea. And great crowds gra- gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. and it proves unfruitful. And for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you, Lord Christ.
1: name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just a, a quick thank you to everyone that made last Sunday's outdoor service a success. Amen. Those of you who set up, those of you who packed up, those of you who cooked food, those of you who cleaned, those, everyone who put their hand to the plough last week and made last week's outdoor service a success. I just want to say a big thank you to you all. Amen. You give yourself a hand clap. That's amen. It, it was uh, a great time. Um, I, I did see some hands go up. Some other people saw some other hands go up that I didn't see. Some, 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 some folks got uh, saved or touched by the Lord. So we're really grateful that uh, we did that. Thank you to Rick Ricks uh, on another job at the, this morning. Um, but we also want to thank him for bringing that idea to us. He brought it to Vestry and, and at Vestry we ran with it. And so uh, that's what it's all about. That's, that's how church works. Now, there's a couple of exhortations from the Lord this morning. Um, I have one, uh, and Deb's just brought me one, and it matches similar to what I want to say, and it's, it, it's starting to look a little uh, a little Holy Ghosty here. The, that's what I'm going to preach on too, you know. I was going to say spooky, but that's not the right thing to say, is it, in church? But uh, exhortation, who knows what an exhortation from the Lord sounds like? It can be good. If you're on the wrong side of the exhortation, it cannot be good. Isn't that right, Deb? (laughs) And so during the song uh, we sang, I'm not a slave to fear, Deb felt the Holy Spirit move and and say to her, her, but sometimes when it comes to me, it comes to we as well, doesn't it? And so not to be a slave also to anger, to shame, to disappointment, that we aren't... We're going to have those feelings. We're all going to have those feelings. And we're going to have those emotions. But we're not a slave to those. They do not drive us. They, they are not our identity. We are not a slave to those things. I'll bring what I want to bring at the end of the service because it has something to do with the, the parable of the sower. Now, context this morning is all important in understanding this parable. This parable is the first of seven, let me get this right, seven parables that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 13. He just dot points and punches out seven parables throughout the whole of Uh, Matthew chapter 13 and we'll touch on some of those as we do the readings from the lectionary that that come up through this month and so in verse 1 tells us that Jesus gave these parables all on the same day so we must go back to Matthew 12 to see what happened and we see it was the same day that the Jewish leaders accused Christ of working miracles in the power of the devil We say that in in 12, 22 to 32, it says, and it's the famous verse where the Pharisees call Jesus Beelzebub, the, the prince of demons. So the die now has been cast. The religious leaders have made their choice that they now will do whatever it takes to get rid of Jesus. And so the parable uh, is placed first, the one that's placed first in Matthew 13, it's placed here because it reveals something crucial about the response to Jesus' message. The Pharisees in Matthew 12 are basically asking the one logical question. They're saying, if you are who you say you are, Jesus, why doesn't everyone believe? And why did the religious leaders reject your message? That's what they're sort of asking in Matthew 12. And that question has rung it rings across the centuries in many different ways. Why does a wife believe and her husband rejects? Why does a brother become a, ministry, a missionary and others are anti-social delinquents? why does two children that are raised in the same family end up in completely different situations and have completely different values how is it that the same word of god produces such differing results in the human heart i think there are two responses to that question first we must ask ask ourselves why does Jesus speak in parables? And one reason is that, that he uses language that's familiar to his audience. You know, most of the parables are about agriculture. And so that's because the, Jesus, the society that Jesus spoke to were agrarian, they were, they were, they were farmers, they, 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 they were subsistence, they lived subsistently off the land. So they were agrarian people. So he uses word pictures that would stick in their imagination longer than a three-point sermon and a PowerPoint would. Okay? So, but that is not the main reason. Jesus answers their question by referencing the Old Testament passage from Isaiah 6, 8 to 10. Let's have a look at it. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And whom will go for us? And he said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Isaiah was a prophet who was sent to Israel to tell them to repent. He promised mercy and life to all who would turn from their sin. But his message was also a message of judgment on all who would not turn to God. Jesus similarly is a prophet proclaiming the message of the kingdom of God that a relationship with God is available to all who will hear and respond in faith to his message. But to those who do not respond, there will be judgment just as there was in Isaiah's day. So just as Isaiah prophesied, A people hearing but never understanding. A people seeing but never perceiving. I think that by speaking in parables, the the profound truth of what Jesus was sharing was hidden from the self-righteous. It was hidden from those who were too sophisticated. Those who looked down on Jesus or were sceptical of him. And so all they would hear were tips on farming. And they would walk away dismissing him. But those who approach Jesus with a childlike faith, eager to learn, would respond to his questions and want to know more. And as Jesus says in verse 11 of our text, And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given all this reminds me of jesus's prayer in last week's gospel reading in matthew eleven twenty five 25 to 26 it says at that time jesus said i praise you father lord of heaven and earth because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children yes father for this was your good pleasure so why did jesus speak in parables perhaps because his goal was not just to impart information but to invite people into a relationship with him. And his style of teaching revealed people's hearts as either self-righteous and dismissive or eager to learn from him with childlike faith. John 17 verse 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So we see it again and again and again and again throughout the Scriptures. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. So what does the parable of the sower mean? A message is preached about the kingdom of God and Jesus tells his hearers that one of the four things will happen. One of the four things will happen. And each of those things will depend on the condition of what? The heart of the hearer the heart of the hearer so this is not a parable or a story about the sower or even the seed it's about the soil it's about the soil and as you listen this morning it's about your heart and it's about my heart it's not about whether you read your bible it's not it's not about how long you've been coming to church it's not about whether you listen to the word of god it's about your heart so let's begin with the last soil, the good soil, to understand what, what's God's desire in all of this. Verse 23 says, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word of God and understands it. He or she indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case 100-fold, in another 60, and in another 30. This is the heart that responds to God and produces fruit. The message of the kingdom of God is that in Jesus, a way has been made to eternal life. A way has been made to know God and to have his spirit in us. It is the the, the heart that responds. Those who have good soil in their heart will bear fruit, which is best explained by Galatians 5, 16 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. This is God's desire for us. He is creating a community of people who are people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. People who love and know that they are loved. People who have joy even when there is so much sorrow around. People who have peace no matter how chaotic the circumstances are. People who have, are patient even with people who are difficult. People who are kind and good to others. Who are faithful loyal and dependable who are not harsh but are gentle with others people who are self-controlled able to do right the right thing even when it is hard this is the kind of community the kind of people our world is crying out for and this is the kingdom jesus is building and calling us to become To be that person, to be that follower, to be that community with a heart like good soil. A people that hear the message, understand the message and respond to the message. That we might become transformed this morning into a person who is fruitful. The second type is the pathway. Verse 19, it says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, The evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his or her heart. This is what was sown along the path. Now let's be honest this morning. For some of you this morning, you're listening to the words I'm speaking and they're just bouncing off your heart like the seed on the path. It's like leather lungs versus wooden heads, isn't it? That was a joke. You can laugh at that if you want. You're a tough audience, aren't you? There is no understanding. There is no response. There is no connection with heart and mind. Though hearing you do not hear, though seeing you do not see. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts it. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 1-4, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart rather we have renounced secret that we have renounced secret and shameful ways we do not use deception nor do we distort the word of god on the contrary we set forth the truth plainly we condemn ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of god and even if our gospel is veiled it is veiled to those who are perishing the god of this age has blinded the minds of believers of unbelievers sorry The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If you think this might be you this morning, listen to me very closely now. This message I'm sharing with you is the most important message you will ever hear in your life. This is the good news, that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that eternal life, And a right relationship with God. The God who created you can be yours. If you would only turn from your sinful and self-centred life. And trust in Jesus who died for you. My friend, nothing in this life is more important than that. Nothing. Not cars, not houses, not money in the bank. Nothing. Is more important than that and this is the message that eternal that this is the message that has eternal significance in our lives this morning and if you disagree if you do not care if you do not understand it is only because the devil has blinded your mind because before this message can connect with your heart the devil has snatched it away so wake up this morning Wake up. Ask God right now to break up the ground in your heart. Ask God to help you understand and respond to this message that you might be transformed this morning, right now, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for the rest of you who do believe and for the rest of you who have trusted in Christ's death for your sins, do not think that you're off the hook this morning. Make no mistake. We all have areas in our lives where our hearts are hard like the path, don't we? We all have them. We all have areas in our life where we don't want to hear or consider what God is saying. And why is that? Because we love sin too much. And before God's word can connect with our hearts, the devil comes along and snatches the word away. So brothers and sisters, I pray that we are not, we we do not end up like the Pharisees whom Jesus said that you are stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Make no mistake, we all have areas in our lives where we need to repent from our hardness of heart, where we need to repent from our stubbornness and ask God to break up that path. There are two more conditions of the heart that serve uh, to keep us from becoming fruitful, two more conditions that prevent us from maturing into the men and women that God wants us to be, and they are a lack of depth, and the distraction of this world the third type of soil is the rocky place or the shallow soil verses 20 to 21 says for as for what was sown on the rocky ground this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy yet he or she has no root within themselves but but endures for a while and when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word immediately they fall Away. this is the soil that may look deep but underneath the soil is a rocky layer that prevents the roots from going down deep this is the shallow heart the heart without any spiritual depth this is the person who responds to God with joy and enthusiasm but the change doesn't last because there is no root Once there is trouble, once there is persecution, once things start to change, once things start to become different, once things get difficult, they fall away from God and the change does not come. The rocky soil is the man or the woman who comes to Christ believing that God will make life easier, that life is somehow a a bed of roses without thorns that God will fix all problems, will heal all diseases and give them a promotion. And then when they find that life or the life of discipleship involves suffering, that it involves carrying a cross, that it involves laying down one's life and surrendering, they fall away. Brothers and sisters, this has the potential to happen to every one of us. At every time when we hear the word of God or read the word of God, you hear a word of encouragement to forgive or an encouragement to be uh, more generous with your money or to, to reprioritize your life around uh, what really, really matters. And you leave convinced that this is what you need to do. But Jesus says, because there's no depth, when trouble comes, the seed that, the, 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 that word of conviction that you heard, it dies. It dies. So what's the answer? What helps cultivate deep roots this morning? Well, there's a few things that come to mind. Spiritual disciplines, those rhythms with God that help, you, uh, that help the word take root. Spiritual rhythms like reading the Bible, like praying, like journaling, like silence. That's that's going to be tough for some of us, isn't it? Silence. Worship. There's community rhythms. Being with others who hold you accountable and encourage you and remind you of what matters. Being with brothers and sisters in the Lord who can help you connect the word to your particular situation in your life. And then there's spiritual direction. Sometimes the rocky layers prevent us from going deeper in the hardness of what we have created, created in the response that we have created to pain and suffering. And until that is broken up, until we surrender, there will be little depth. Because we have created that hardness. We have created that hardness, that response, that we have created to pain and suffering. Until we get some spiritual direction and start to break that stuff up, start to surrender to the Spirit of God, start to give stuff up, there will be no depth. The fourth type of soil is the thorns, verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Some soil is infested with weeds, thorns and thistles, and those, those plants suck up the moisture on the soil, and they drain out the nutrients, and they block the sunlight of the crops, and they choke the life out of anything good that is grown in that field. The thorny soil is the heart entangled with the cares of the world this person responds positively but ultimately they are not fruitful because of the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth they are too distracted by the cares of this world to follow god or to become a man or a woman that god has called them to be they're too distracted think of the rich young ruler out of matthew chapter 19 verses 16 to 24. It says, Now a man came up to Jesus and asked him, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask about what is good? And Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones, the man inquired. Jesus replied, Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honour your mother and father, and love your neighbour as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The more preoccupied we are with the things of this world, the less effective we will be as a a follower of God. The more distracted we are, the less fruitful that we will be. And the more we will be stuck where we are. Luke 16, 13 says, No servant can serve two masters. Either you will hate one or love the other, he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 to 10 says, People who want to get rich fall to temptation and a trap. and and, and a trap and into many foolish harmful desires that plunge men and women into ruin and destruction for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered from the path and pierced themselves with many griefs so what is the root of all evil the love of money not money The love of money. That's the distraction that Jesus is talking about. James 4.4 says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. If this is you this morning, then ask yourself whether your pursuit of the things of this world is really worth what you are giving up. What is it you really want? What is it you truly satisfy? Isaiah 55, one to three, come all you who are thirsty, come to the water and you who have no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. And eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me, that your soul may live. I, make, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. The missionary Jim Elliott said something in response to this, which is worth remembering and worth repeating. He said he or she is no fool who gives what he or she cannot keep to gain what he or she cannot lose oh god we need your help this morning we need your help without prayer this morning our ministry cannot and will not be effective we do the sowing the seed must do its work But it needs a receptive heart to bring forth fruit. It needs a receptive heart to bring forth fruit. What does the farmer do with unproductive soil? He ploughs it up. He throws out the rocks. He pulls up the weeds. He waters the ground and he plants again. Beloved, our God farms human hearts this morning. He farms human hearts like that. Our God farms the church like that. Jeremiah 4.3 says, Break up your fallow ground and sow not amongst the thorns. Things don't have to stay the way they are. Your past does not and should not dictate your future. The past does not and should not dictate your future. Remember what God promised to the disobedient Israel. He said in, in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 23, I will give you a new heart a, heart, a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, a new heart. A spiritual heart transplant, brothers and sisters. Now, this goes beyond the parable of Jesus now, doesn't it? This goes beyond. And we are now taken into the realms of enormous spiritual promise right now. The farmer cannot by himself transform rocky soil into good soil. If you've ever been to the Holy Lands and seen the hillsides of Galilee, you will know that there are more rocks than soil there. You could not ever get rid of all the rocks, but God can. But God can. And this is why the final word in the ministry of our church this morning belongs to the Lord and not to us. After all, we were all once seeds on the path, weren't we? All of us, every single one of us, before we got saved, we were all like seeds that were thrown on the path. But God, in his mercy, intervened. He removed the heart of stone and gave us a heart of flesh. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He gave us a brand new heart. If God can do that for us, he can do that for anyone. Many, many, many years ago, I received a letter from someone who had recently visited a church I was pastoring. And this is part of his letter. He said, first of all, I need your prayer. I am 34 years old. I'm a single man who became a Christian and was born again at the age of 18. I have since fallen back into the ways of the world and the flesh, and I'm now suffering greatly as a consequence of my faithlessness and folly. Like the prodigal son in the parable of our Lord, I have squandered the inheritance I received from my father, and I'm now turning back to him empty and destitute. Pray that the Father in his mercy may restore to me the joy of his salvation and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now, I suppose for many years, those who knew this man despaired that his life could never be changed. They despaired. This morning, you may have a prodigal son or daughter in your life. You may have a prodigal daughter grandchild in your life and it seems impossible that they could ever return to the Lord but with God all things are possible this morning beloved all things are possible this is why we keep on sowing this is why we keep on watering this is why we keep on praying this is why we keep on waiting we believe God can do things that are far beyond our expectations He's done it before, he'll do it again, and he's doing it at the moment all over the world. This parable teaches us both patience and hope for our own spiritual walk and for the spiritual condition of our families and of our friends and of our city. We need patience because some of the seed we sow will never produce fruit we hope for. Some of it will never produce the fruit we hope for, but others will produce 100 times, more than we expect. And this is why we preach. This is why we encourage ourselves in the Lord. This is why we pray. And this is why we keep sowing the word. This is good soil. There is good soil out there. There is good soil out there, even though it's not always easy to find. There is good soil out there. And if we keep sowing the word, we will reap a harvest in God's time by his grace and for his glory. Amen? Amen? Amen. I want to bring that exhortation to you now before we pray. And that is, we've just talked about the parable of the sower and we've talked about it pretty much from our own, um, our own soil in our own hearts. But I am aware that In the book of Revelations, God, Jesus speaks to the church as if it's a person, doesn't he? He speaks to the churches, the seven churches, as if they're people, as if they're entities. And I believe God is speaking to us as a church, as, as Holy Spirit Anglican Church in Akron, as a church. That if we do not cultivate the soil of our church... If we do not cultivate that here in our church, that we are in, uh, that that we are that at risk of le- allowing the seed to fall on rocky path, we are allow uh, we are we are we are you know at risk of allowing the seed to fall into shallow soil. That's that's tough, and that's and also into the cares of this world. So I would give you that exhortation from the Lord as a church, not take what you need to take individually but as holy spirit anglican church we we we're in a new area We're new things happening now a new thing's happening so we need to cultivate the soil brothers and sisters of our church of us as of church do you receive that this morning amen three people said yes do you receive that this morning yes. amen let us pray creating me a clean heart O oh god And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Give us a heart that is good soil. Not hardened to you and not wrapped up in our own emotive stuff. Not shallow and not distracted by the cares of this world. But a heart that believes completely in your goodness and is ready to do your will.